0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card,
1: right this way,
0: it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss
3: when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids.
2: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Hour number three of Sharp Money live from Las Vegas in our South Point Sportsbook studio as we welcome you back. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick. Amal Shaw is here and on the desk joining us right now. He's, he's trying to beat the heat right now. Him and I played golf a couple weeks ago. and Man, it was a toasty one. Adam That's Burke, was hot. he's recovered. I'm did, did still you, recovering. Did you, did, Adam who jumped into his pool fully clothed after, <laughs> after the break.
1: You guys sound like a couple of smart guys. It's only about
5: 115 out here. Uh, yeah. At least it was only 105 or so the yeah. day we played. It was
4: a dry oh, heat. Carl's yes, it's a dry or, heat. Carl said he played golf on Sunday when it was 118 out. I'm like, why?
5: Well,
1: because I got to defend Jeff on that. He didn't complain about it.
4: He did not complain. Uh, I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I
5: nope. just like, I don't, I don't think I need to save like 30 bucks to play golf when it's 130 degrees outside.
1: Yeah. <laughs> why well, is there a Please. discount? Oh yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants
5: to play. Oh, half That's the time I
1: I've,
4: I've had rounds. I just walk out on the course and they go, Oh, go ahead. 118. You're, you're a psycho.
5: So you literally walk out on the course and then continue walking through right. the round, well, which is just psychotic behavior. Well, you know, it's a, you, it's you, a, you might take. need a padded room.
4: <laughs> Maybe that, that may or may not be a thing coming to a local uh, townhouse near you in the year 2023. Uh, Adam joins us right now. We're going to talk college football first half of the hour, a little baseball to, to back uh, end it here. But with the upcoming college football betting guide, you were big, you had a big hand. We did our, our NFL football, uh, NFL betting guide special a couple weeks ago. College guide coming out in a couple weeks. So first off, just a quick preview where we stand on that. How I assume basically every team like we've had in the, in the years past will be heavily profiled in this year's guide.
5: Yep. All 10 conferences plus the independents, all 133 FBS teams will have a team preview for in that college football guide comes out August 3rd. So nice. we have two, a date. two yeah. weeks from Thursday. So it'll be out here before you know it. Uh, very excited to get that publication out to you. Of course, it is a big project. There's a lot of editing a lot of proofing that's involved. So we're on a good timeline for it. We'll definitely have it out by August 3rd, but I did the AAC Conference USA and Sunbelt for specific team previews, and then also have a couple of feature articles in there as well. But, uh, you know, nineteen that introductory offer over at vcin.com, or $19, I think it is, actually. That'll get you the NFL guide, which we released June 29th, also the upcoming college football guide, because that's a first-month introductory okay, price. Don't
4: do, don't shortchange the people, $0.99, cents, okay, Adam? Let's Sorry. Go, come yeah, on. let go. We're company
5: men uh, over here. On, uh, on Well, the goal on is money. that, you know, makes you a smarter better, and helps you win more bets. Exactly. That is, that is certainly
4: the goal. Uh, we talk about a team that – You guys both to follow very, very closely. The Ohio State Buckeyes, Adam, you do the. Uh, the, what is it, the official, the Ohio Sports Betting Show every uh, every Friday here from VEASAN? The VEASAN right?
5: Saturday Betting Hour.
4: Oh, sorry. The VEASAN It is colloquially re- referred to in thin our network as <laughs> the, the Ohio Show yes. that Adam Burke does. So, Ohio State in 2023, you come off a year in which you lose again to uh, to Michigan. You lose a, a star quarterback in CJ Stroud of the NFL, star wide receiver in Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Uh, from from what the Buckeyes have brought in, Adam, as you've broken down their offseason, with the win total of 10.5, co-favorites to win the Big Ten with Michigan, what do you expect and now for Ryan Day as he enters another season where a lot of pressure will be on to get past the maize and blue?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that this win total line is actually pretty accurate. I have 10.62 wins in my projections for Ohio State, so I'm pretty much right on the market number. As I was talking about with mall during the break, I have Ohio State at least an eight-point favorite in every game except for that game against Michigan. And I got Michigan uh, two and a half point favorite in that one, though I do give them one of the biggest home field advantages in the country at the big house. So that's a big part of the difference in that line. I actually do have Ohio state power rated one point higher than Michigan, but of course there are some big questions. What will Kyle McCord do filling the shoes of CJ Stroud? But look at me from a skill position standpoint, this might be the best team in the country with Trayvon Henderson, Myon Williams and Dallin Hayden all back. Marvin Harrison, Jr., who's the favorite over at DraftKings to be the first non-quarterback selected in the 2024 NFL draft. Igbuka, Fleming, the defense should be better under second-year coordinator Jim Knowles. Should be a great year for Ohio State, but as we know them all, they're defined by what they do in that Week 13 game right after Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, they got a tough game October 28th at Camp Randall. It's always been historically a tough spot for Ohio State going up into uh, Madison, but I, I don't think Wisconsin's quite at the level Ohio State's from a talent standpoint, and you're absolutely right to me, this could be the year where you see a Big Ten national champion. I think Georgia's good, but the schedule is really what elevates them. Alabama's got some question marks, as we've seen. USC defensively, got, I've got some concerns about them. You mentioned Kyle McCord. If he can't get the job done, Devin Brown, a kid out of Utah, he's a backup. He's got more mobility. But remember, McCord played high school football at St. Joe's in Philadelphia with Marvin Harrison Jr. This team should be elite offensively. I mean, if they, they almost got C.J. Stroud to come back. They were potentially convincing yeah. him. He almost came back. The offensive line, but Donovan Jackson at the right guard position should be an All-American. This team should be really, really good. And I'm with him. Uh, Defensively, under the second year, uh, they should be much better under Jim Knowles. I think both Michigan and Ohio State will be undefeated when they meet in Ann Arbor on November 25th, once again, for the Big Mm -hmm. Ten title. I think both teams are going to get in the playoff.
4: Yeah, well, I just wonder from the offensive line perspective, you mentioned some of the returners they have, but they did have three offensive linemen drafted. Mm -hmm. Headlined by Paris Johnson, who goes six overall to Arizona. So when you think about 60% 60% of your offensive line is brand new. New quarterback in Kyle McCord, who's basically thrown, what, 20 passes a year? Uh, 20, 20 passes last year, 38 in 2021 as a two-year backup. That's the only question mark I would have. It's, it probably helps Adam admit it's a very soft schedule out of the gates, though.
5: It is. I mean, look, they do have to go to South Bend and play that game against Notre Dame in the end of September, which I think will be a really interesting matchup for them, especially, you know, they'll at least get their feet wet with a road game against Indiana too. So McCord, I assume Devin Brown should play in that game as well. You should use both of them as far as I'm concerned. If you're Ryan Day or Brian Hartline, let them get some experience in a road environment. But I think the one thing that will be really interesting to see is how is this offense run under Brian Hartline? How much running do they do? Because they have a very loaded backfield. As you mentioned, they do have the three new offensive line starters. I think there's kind of this perception, this expectation that Hartline is just going to air it out because he's the wide receiver guy. But I think that they will rely on the run when they need to. And I think heartline May end up ultimately with a better feel for when to run the ball, when to throw the ball, what to do in the red zone than Ryan Day's had as the play mm-hmm. caller the last few years.
1: I agree with you completely. Look, Ohio State should have won the national title last year. Fourth and one mm-hmm. at the 34-yard line with a 10-point lead and seven minutes to go against Georgia. I granted they didn't have uh, Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson. To me, you get one yard, you win the national title because they would have beaten TCU. Uh, they've got to be more aggressive in the running game. They've been a little bit too pass reliant. You've got to be Ohio state. If you look at them historically, they could line up and play smash mouth football with anybody. And they've gotten away from that under Ryan day a little bit. They've had some opportunities, even against Michigan last year, they go for it on fourth and one Uh, Stroud misses Cade Stover. So to me, this team, if they play physical football, They've got an opportunity, and that's what's made Michigan so good. They've played physical football with Blake Quorum, with sure. Donovan Edwards. You know, but Michigan's got the same question mark. They've got a talented backfield. Ohio State, to me, is the best skilled position team in college football, but Michigan's tailback room is the best in college football, but the question is, Adam, how good is J.J. McCarthy? And Ben, can he deliver when the Wolverines need him in a tight game? The Wolverines, just like Ohio State, are probably not going to have a lot of tight games. What works well for Ohio State, as ben, uh, Adam alluded to it. They play Notre Dame in week four. If they're playing Notre Dame in week two in South Bend, it'd be a problem because Hartman's much more experienced. But now you've got three weeks to break in your quarterbacks. You've got a couple of tune-ups at home. They should be just fine by the time they get to
5: South Bend. And that's the question, right? I mean, for Ohio State, they at least get a test, at, like at some point. Yeah. Michigan, I have them a 21 point favorite in each of their first nine games, at least. So they don't really get tested until they play that game at Happy Valley. And I'm a little bit higher than Penn State or on Penn State than the market seems to be. I do think maybe Drew Aller will be the guy at quarterback to kind of take them to the next level. I don't like James Franklin in big games. I think he's a terrible in-game coach. Great motivator, decent guy in terms of game prep, bad guy when it comes to you know, kind of stopping negative trends, kind of stopping negative momentum. They've had Ohio state on the ropes a few times, let them back in the game, ultimately lost, but that'll be an interesting test for Michigan and their first test in week 11 in happy Valley. So up until then, we won't really find out anything about the Wolverines because they're just going to be a massive favorite in all their games. (laughs) I will say if I had to take one of the two win totals, Uh I think it'd be Michigan. I mean, there, I have them projected for 11.15 wins.
4: Think about last year. Just, it's just funny to me. I remember the first few weeks of the year. Michigan was favored by a combined 98 points in the mm. first three games. It's like you'd think maybe they, you know, well, I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. They're just going to stick with it. And that, that's it's I a lot which, more
5: this year, by the way, uh, that's going to be a lot more. Yeah. East going, Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers all at home in their first four games.
1: George is almost embarrassed by that schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but no, the reality yeah, of it is, look, it is. I, Adam, what I said, I would bet is Michigan right now is plus three eighty, three forty to go undefeated in, in 12 and 0. And Ohio State's plus 380. I would bet both of those. Because I think both these teams on November 25th are going to be 11-0. And whoever wins that game is going to cash that ticket for you. To me, these two teams are clearly head and shoulders above everyone else. You mentioned Penn State. I like Penn State a lot. But I think they're in 2024. But you talk about a great backfield. Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, these guys are absolute studs. They're sophomores. They're studs. Drew Aller is going to be the guy in 2024. Uh, I think he's got a chance to have a great year this year, but they're still a step behind Ohio State and Michigan. James Franklin said it best a few years ago. He goes, we're a very good football program. We are not elite. They are not elite. That's where they're lacking right now. They've got some good skill position players. They just don't have it overall on their 22.
4: I just think about for, if you're going to power rate Ohio State and Michigan, and that that's the thing because they're co-favorites, Adam, from, from your ratings that you do we'll get into the rest of the conferences after the next break. Cause I am also fascinated by the Penn state win total in 2023. Who, who who comes out on top for you just heading into the year, as far as your
5: raw numbers. So heading into the year, I would have Ohio state minus one on a neutral. Okay. So I do give Michigan a three and a half point home field advantage. That's why they're a two and a half point favorite for me in that head to head meeting. Maybe that's a little bit presumptuous with the Buckeyes, assuming that Kyle McCord is going to be the guy. But again, I mean, from a skill position standpoint, that talent is off the charts and The Knowles' defensive scheme, I think, takes a year or two to really get locked in, and I think Ohio State should be much better with it this year.
4: Again, those undefeated numbers we were talking about, them all plus 340 for Ohio State, plus 380 for Michigan this
5: year.
1: Yeah, and real quick, if they have the national championship odds up, I'm going to tell you right now, I would bet the two teams from the Big Ten, I I think they've got a great shot. To me, I don't know where you're at, Ben, uh, excuse me, Adam, on J.J. McCarthy. I have a ton of question marks, but i got to tell you right now, Corman Edwards – are as good of a combination in terms of running the football as we've seen in a number of years in college football. These guys are absolute dudes.
5: Yeah. I mean, look, you know, does, does McCarthy have to win you a game at some point? Is it the game against Ohio state? I do still have Georgia, the top power rated team in the country. They'd be a two and a half point favorite over Ohio state on a neutral three and a half over Michigan. But Georgia has plenty of question marks as well, as you mentioned. Ohio
4: State plus 650, Michigan plus 850 as we get into the start of this 2023 season. We'll talk about the rest of the Big Ten next with Adam because there is a team in Penn State that seems like they're at a tier of their own and then a whole lot of teams with a whole lot of question marks. We want to sift through some of those win totals with Adam Burke, who is the managing editor of not only our NFL, but also our soon-to-be-released college football betting guide. We'll discuss that next with Adam in studio right here on VEASAN Sharp Money.
3: Listen to stories for kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on
2: VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for only $19 at VEASAN.com. Slash subscribe. We are talking college football right now. Adam Burke in studio, joining us, managing editor of our upcoming college football betting guide here from Veasan. Also handled the publication of our NFL betting guide, which is out available right now. Talking some uh, Big Ten football, gentlemen. And we'll go to the, the third team on the odds board in Penn State, plus five fifty at DraftKings. If you if you include, actually six to one right now at DraftKings. If you include Rutgers, since a lot of the books with the New Jersey jurisdictions do not allow you to bet on a, a Rutgers, so to speak. Just to clarify how that changes the odds. With all the teams included, Penn State's about five and a half to one. Maul, you've said a couple of times you view this as being a Penn State team that will be really, really good in 2024, but what's your realistic expectation for them, at least in 23?
1: You know, Penn State kind of reminds me of what it's been for the last several years for them nine and three, 10 and two. They might, they're going to lose to Ohio State and Michigan. They got to go to Columbus. They've got the Wolverines coming in to State College. I think when you look at it, and I hate to go to a team a year away, but when you put Aller as a junior, Katron Allen, and Nicholas Singleton as juniors, they become probably the best quarterback-running back combination in college football in two years. But right now, I just don't think they're good enough from a overall 22 standpoint to match up with Michigan and Ohio State. They open up with the Mounties. That's going to be a little bit more of a rivalry game in the area because you've got kids from Western PA and West Virginia. A lot of kids on their roster are from Western PA as well. You get the Hawkeyes in what Adam should probably be a Nine six game as Iowa <laughs> plays Penn State and some of the worst football 11, games. Eleven eight, I was gonna go uh, with. Yeah. Some of the worst football games we've ever seen. Uh so you know, the schedule's fine at Maryland. Another game on the East Coast, a little bit more of a rivalry. And somehow they forced this Michigan State, Penn State end of the year alleged rivalry game. This team should be ten and two. The schedule is very manageable. No real challenge there. I mean, you get UMass, Delaware, uh the Mounties. as I said, this this schedule is very good for them.
5: It is a very good schedule for them. I mean, their season went a nine and a half with some over juice and understandably yeah. so. I mean, this team, if you ran a bunch of simulations, this team's going 10 and two way more often than not. I mean, do they beat Michigan? Probably not. Do they beat Ohio state? Probably not. Do they win their 10 other games? They should. I have them a double digit favorite in every single one of them. So this team should go 10 and two. And again, it'll be one of those things where their, their season, their ceiling is defined by if they can beat Ohio state or Michigan. And, and frankly, I don't think so, but I do agree with them all that they are kind of building towards maybe being closer to being able to go up against those two teams and pull off one of the upsets. But I don't really think this is the year I do have them as a three and a half point dog at home against Michigan in that week, 11 game
1: to to Adam's point, James Franklin will have a seven point lead and it'll be third and one instead of having one of the dudes, and they got absolute dudes, make no mistake about it, between uh, Singleton and Allen, he'll throw the ball. And it'll be third and seven, and you see they're they're playing. They've got seven guys in the box, and he'll try and run the ball. Remember that play that they ran with Trace McSorley against Ohio State? Nobody was happier than me that he's got Chase Young (laughs) sitting there waiting for him, runs one of the dumbest plays you've ever seen. Uh, That's what Penn State has done. Look, they don't have the same in-state talent in the state of Pennsylvania that they once had, but this program, if they can find a way to get on track and defensively, they're always consistent. They're always good. Right. They could be right there in terms of what they're capable of doing in this conference. I just don't see them, though, getting over the top here right now against Michigan and Ohio State. Was there
4: an in-game coaching matchup that fascinated you more than the Brian Harson versus James Franklin when you had that Auburn-Penn State game where it was just like just comical back and forth? I mean, it was like fourth down decisions all over the place. Crazy. I thought,
1: uh, by the way, I love that game because that was an easy one for Penn State. But yeah, Brian Harson is one of the worst coaching hires in the history of college football. How do you yes. take a guy from Boise, Idaho, to go down on the plains and go compete against Nick Saban? You got a guy. You got to get guys who know how, who <laughs> yeah. have to know how to funnel money through the churches to get recruits. Yeah. Brian Harson doesn't <laughs> strike me as that kind of guy showing up with the bags in the churches in Georgia. Didn't work out that way.
5: I'm enjoying this. This is the most animated I've seen mall during one well, of my Tuesday an, hours. This what? is perfect. We, we, oh, this you should have awesome. yesterday,
4: Adam, with his top 10 overrated. Well, I, I
1: wasn't given a sedative.
5: Oh, uh, well, that's, so that's, Okay. It's fair. That's fair. And, that's that's yeah, true. It is also. Le- Pat, Patrick's with, out of town. You elevate your game. I like it.
4: I don't know about that, but I
1: mean, <laughs> you know, sometimes if you're being suffocated, it's hard to breathe.
4: I'll pretend <laughs> I didn't hear that. Uh, what, what I you, was, you, was you going to say, Amal, Amal yesterday was beautiful for the his top 10 overrated college I'm always always fired it up. Top ten overrated yeah. coaches. Yeah, he's he's always, he's always ready to go on topics like that. Uh, but as far as the rest of this conference, you, are you viewing Penn State as a clear third, or do you give Wisconsin enough of an upside, Adam, this year to potentially compete? Uh, for that, Wisconsin is fourth on the overall odds board, about plus seven fifty.
5: So Wisconsin's a really tricky team. I mean, I do have a projection for them of almost ten wins, so that's definitely above where their season win total line is. It's eight and a half with over juice. I do think this is worthy of an over bet. I think Illinois is a good team. I don't really like anybody else that much in the West division. But the thing about Wisconsin, that's going to be really, really intriguing. A couple of things. The first is Tanner Mordecai is what the best quarterback they've had since Russell Wilson.
1: It's exactly what I said. Yep. So, Absolutely. so there's
5: that, which helps them but the other say, thing uh, is, say,
4: since Alan average, but
5: uh, I mean, we yeah. could, we could keep going back if you want to, but the other thing is <laughs> this team is not exactly built for the Phil Longo offense. So I'm curious to see how quickly that takes hold because they are kind of more of a play action and hope to complete a few passes here and there, run the football a ton. That's not really what Phil Longo's done as an offensive coordinator throughout his career. So the question is, can they work with the personnel that they have and get those guys to be pretty efficient on offense where Mordecai should be a good quarterback. Braylon Allen is still a very, very good running back. Do they have the talent at wide receiver to kind of execute the route concepts that Longo has? Can they play with a little bit of tempo? the defense should be fine. I mean, Luke fickle, you know, should do a great job and Wisconsin's historically great on defense anyway, but that offense, is there a game in there? Maybe early on somewhere or something like that, where they just don't really click on offense and wind up losing maybe to a team that they shouldn't. I wouldn't be totally shocked about that. So Wisconsin is a team where they get to ease into the season as well. Buffalo, Washington State's a decent team. That trip to Pullman is interesting. Uh, But they lost to Wazoo, who was a 17-point
4: favorite at home last
5: year. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think if they get time to kind of figure it out and get it together, and if they have it together by the end of October, those two games against Illinois and Ohio State become really intriguing.
1: I think Wisconsin's got a shot. I don't know where, Adam, you come in on their season win total, but I think they've got a shot to go 11-1 and Adam's absolutely right. Tanner Mordecai is the best quarterback they've had since Russell Wilson when they went to the Rose Bowl and lost to TCU. You've got a quarterback with mobility, good accuracy. Remember, Mordecai played at Oklahoma, transferred to SMU, and now he's at Wisconsin. You mentioned Longo's offense. He was at North Carolina for the last four years. They were elite offensively. They don't necessarily have that. But for my money, I don't know where you come out on this one, Adam. Braylon Allen is the best running back in the Big Ten. You're talking about, I mentioned Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Donovan Edwards, and Blake Corum. I mean, there's absolute studs in terms of the running back, but I think Braylon Allen's as good as anybody, and Mordecai will be more accurate than anybody they've had in a long time, minus the one game Graham Mertz played well in his entire career against (laughs) Illinois. (laughs) Other than that, you're going to have the best quarterback from an accuracy standpoint. I think this team could potentially be and should really be undefeated going into week number 8 against Ohio State should be an undefeated showdown in uh Camp Randall
5: I, I- Look, I'm very impressed with what Brett has done with Illinois here. I do still have Illinois' six-and-a-half-point dog in that game at home against Wisconsin, and I have the Badgers favored in 11 of their 12 games, of course the exception, being the game against Ohio State. So my projection, 9.99 wins, but 11-and-1 is not out of the realm of possibility at all. Yeah, it's, it's, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it was just to say real quick, the rivalry game against Minnesota is always tougher than it appears on paper because if you're not from that part of the country, Ben, you know you grew up in the state of Wisconsin. That is an underappreciated rivalry.
4: It is. And I miss when it was when it was in the dome. It was always special, yeah. and with the Paul Bunyan's axe, uh, that was like an ESPN two 11 a.m. Central yes, special, exactly,
1: exactly, every
4: single year. Uh, growing up, essentially, uh, as as Wisconsin is uh, win total. Adam liking them to go over Illinois, is sitting at six and a half. Rest of the conference, Adam. Teams that you are looking to fade here that look like, I mean, it's not limited to just Northwestern who has all, all of their issues going on with the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, but a bunch of teams apparently in transition when you look at the rosters, Adam, what teams are you looking at that could be very, very poor on the field this year?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super Thrilled about what Michigan state has coming back. I think that's a team that could end up being pretty bad and may kind of disappoint themselves in some of their games against East division teams that aren't elite. I think they could have problems, you know, with a team like Maryland could even have problems with you know, possibly even a team like Rutgers or Indiana, despite the fact that they don't look very good. There's actually one, I know we're running up against the clock here, but I actually want to ask them all about this one because they're kind of a per- perplexing team to me. What do you expect from Nebraska this year?
1: You know what? Here's the thing. You got Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech transfer, who's got great mobility, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat in terms of accuracy. (laughs) That's a big concern I have for Matt Rule's team. I like the way Matt Rule's, in terms of getting guys playing in the right direction, they've been competitive. I have some question marks. I'm not as high in Nebraska as other people are, Adam. I've got to see it. I think you need a year to kind of transition and ease it. Think about this. Bob Stoops wins his national title second year at Oklahoma. They were seven and six his first year. Saban gets things going in the right direction in Tuscaloosa in year two. They're seven and six in his first year. Generally speaking, there is a hiccup in the program in terms of getting to be an elite team until a year or two. I think this team could be over 500, but I don't expect Nebraska to be one where you sit there and go, hey, they can compete with Wisconsin or sure. Illinois for the Big Ten. Yeah, West. Win
5: total of six, which feels pretty spot on, Adam. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I ask, I have four games for them that are plus or minus a field goal, basically. Yeah. So sure. they have a bunch of toss up games. And is Matt rule, the guy going to steward them through those close games and help them win them? Because clearly Scott Frost wasn't.
4: Yeah well it isn't his third year yet so (laughs) clearly clearly if things go south it's well okay it's not matt rule's third year yet so it's time to wait on on the turnaround in lincoln when we return we'll transition talk a little bit of baseball with our decent mlb betting analyst adam burke right after this
2: this is sharp money with patrick maher and amal shaw on vsin the sports betting network
4: Download the DraftKings app today and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonuses instantly. Use promo code v when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Back with them all, Shaw and Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. Good. To, I'm, I'm really happy. This is amazing from Adam Burke's perspective. He made it out from underneath the, the tarp at Great American Ballpark last night. He got caught under there, but he somehow made it to Las Vegas overnight and he's here. So job well done, Adam. Biggest, I'm glad you...
5: Biggest thunderstorm I've ever seen at a ballpark was in Cincinnati. Yeah. It was, I've never seen rain like that or lightning like that, which they played through for like a half inning. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, you Didn't know care. what? We're going to stop.
1: I, lo- I love it. It'd be like April. It'd be a threat of rain seven miles away. They'll call the game. We get to August. <laughs> there's like lightning strikes within like at the concession stand. You're like, Hey guys, let's see if we can play through the sitting and let's complete. This I, game. And I <laughs>
4: love the juxtaposition. Once we get to August where you have that going on. And then in the, you know, the Louisiana tech week one game where there's a lightning strike, 80 miles away and they got to evacuate yeah. the stadium. That's also a great one. <laughs> don't we that.
1: have too many people anyway? We lose a couple.
5: It's okay. Speaking of Louisiana tech, should we talk conference USA instead of MLB? I'm down. Sure. I'd rather, I would <laughs> I, I, No, well, hold on a second. We'll get an email for talking about Conference USA. I wrote about it for the guide, so it's fresh in my mind. But I, it's Ben Wilson's show. And, oh, I guess. I guess Stanley. I guess Stanley. It's Wyatt's show behind the glass. But uh, no, no, Carpenter's I'm just filling in for Dustin. You know, this that, is Ben is show. Ben is hey, the hey, captain hey, of the show.
4: Big year for CUSA, adding at uh, Sam Houston and uh, New Mexico State by the Jacksonville way, State, and well, and New Mexico State. Yeah, and and New Mexico, Mexico State State's and Liberty,
5: and that too. It's a brutal conference.
4: New Mexico state's in the conference
5: USA now. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, what conference were they in before? Was it
5: the WAC independent? Well, they were independent, independent. after right, the yes.
1: WAC. Yeah. Okay. I'm just glad they got a football team.
4: Hey, they
5: won. A they're just glad they year. were football. Team. Hey, I, think, Jerry
4: kill. I think they're glad Jerry kill is, is healthy. I mean, that's the big thing.
1: He- well, I'm saying, remember, don't forget the basketball team couldn't play the rest of the year.
4: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, as somebody who calls uh, WAC games for the conference, that was quite uh, quite interesting. With you, those you didn't in say State. this
5: situation is WAC in New Mexico State when you were on the call, <laughs> uh, did you? No, I did, not, uh,
4: okay. I did not. I did not. I did not. That would be a very Brockmeyer I, thing of me to do.
1: Outside of Ben Wilson's <laughs> preference, outside of Ben Wilson's parents and his agents, I've heard Ben call more play-by-play than anybody.
4: Because I've true actually, statement. that true is statement. true.
1: <laughs> I am yeah. Because I I feel bad because I'll text him when he's when he's doing the game. I'm like, hey, is that, are you doing the WAC tournament? And I'm like, because I'll be watching it on ESPN Plus. And he's like, yeah. I remember feeling
5: so, so bad. He's damn good at it, which is well, which well He's very it good to listen I, to.
1: I told him one day, I was watching a Utah-Oregon game, College Hoops on FS1. And I'm yeah. like, God, that sounds like Ben. And then I see his name come up on the screen. So I sent him a text. I said, like, hey, great job. But he he, do, he does do a tremendous
4: job. I remember feeling bad because Amal had, uh, had I think it was Stephen F. Austin yeah, yeah, yeah. in a future at the WAC tournament two years ago. And they're <laughs> playing Abilene Christian. And I know how much Amal likes it when the score bug has the timeouts and the fouls. Well, we were at the ancient Orleans <laughs> Arena, which it was built in like you know 1841, basically. If, if that's what you, you feel think it was like that it recent, uh, that's, 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 I mean, I was trying to give him benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. Orleans so Arena was definitely 2000. Our, $2. our scorebug had was very limited, so I was trying to you know make sure I said what the foul situation was. As Stephen F. Austin shot like 21% from the field, lost Abilene Christian, and Amal's uh, bet went uh, went to smoke.
1: So, so my big pet peeve, Adam, is during college basketball, now they do a better job over the last half a dozen years. They put the number of fouls by team. Mm-hmm. So that's an important stat it is. when yes. you're watching college basketball because if you've got a team that's got 17 fouls and the other side has got two, it's crucial in terms of how the game might play out from an in-play standpoint.
5: For sure. It's a great live betting angle to look at. Absolutely, Like how we've talked,
4: usage of, of – Team time, team timeouts and fouls on college basketball telecasts. We've talked usage of team national television profile as it relates to Heisman betting, which is a totally real thing. I hope you guys are ready, by the way, for the classic, uh, the, you know, just the the tradition of Penn State, West Virginia on NBC, Big Ten football. I hope you guys are ready for that.
1: First of all, the NBC broadcasts are terrible. I mean, what? what do I'm not going to comment on that. What's that?
4: I'm not going to comment that's on that. That's fine. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't have to. You might. They might
1: be a future employer. Uh, but uh, I mean, listen. I can tell you right now. You, you, you should be. they their color commentary. They've got Brady Quinn available. But no, no, no. We're going to go with Mr. Notre Dame football, Drew Brees.
5: Mr. Notre Dame football is Tim Murray who's coming up next on Feast and Prime Yeah, th- Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that plug. Adam. <laughs> That's true. As we steer the car back out of the rails here, Adam, we do, have a, we do have a lot of baseball to talk about. I
4: mean, I know, Adam, I think I when we talked like April 7th, you were already ready to be done with the baseball season. That's how infuriating <laughs> it was. Here we are. We're three days after the All-Star break and uh, same, kind of the same uh, same deal. But uh, what's interesting is tonight we have the resumption of a suspended game. So Reds Giants was 2-2 when when the uh, storm from the heavens just broke loose. And it was not Adam Burke who succumbed underneath the tarp. Luckily that person was okay. So they'll resume that game and then play another one, which kind of makes for an interesting betting angle, I guess, Adam. And then when you factor in the the pitching as well, what we'll see on the mound tonight too, makes for kind of an interesting handicap for the, uh, for this Tuesday card.
5: Yeah, it really does. So it was a second and third one out for the giants. When this game resumes, So if I'm David bell, I'm probably going to Alexis Diaz here right out of the shoot. So that's something where he may be unavailable for the late game. So that's something you want to factor into the equation here with these suspended games. It is a very, very strange situation, but it's a two to two game. It's high leverage plate appearances the rest of the way now. So you probably want to use your best relievers in that setting, which to that point, I fought with, did I want to play the first five over or the full game over in the actually scheduled game with Anthony scafani on the bump for the Giants and Luke Weaver going for the Reds. Ultimately, I decided to go with the first five, but I do think that if an Alexis Diaz throws an inning and a third, something like that in the first game, they'll probably be very reluctant to come back and use him like four sure. hours later, three hours later. So that's something that you definitely want to factor into the equation, whether you do it now as part of your handicap or you wait and see how that suspended game plays out.
1: Giants in a great position. They're going to have runners on second and third with one out in the top of the eighth inning. So good opportunity to be able to get a run in here to take the lead. This San Francisco team, Adam, has done a great job this year flying under the radar. You know, we talk about the Diamondbacks and rightfully so, of course, the Dodgers, but the Giants quietly have really put together a nice season start since the start. Uh, They had a little bit of a rough April. I love the bullpen with Rodgers and Doval in the back. These guys are lights out.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, this is one of the smartest teams in Major League Baseball. Farhan Zaidi has done a phenomenal job building up the coaching staff. I've talked about this before, I think, on this actual show on Sharp Money, of they have three or four hitting coaches that have individualized hitting plans for each of the hitters on the team. It's not just, hey, we're all going to do this. We're all going to try and hit the ball in the air. Hey, we're all going to try and pull the ball. It's, hey, here's what you do well. Here's why you do it well. Here are the pitches that you should be looking for in the counts that you should be looking for. And so they've had guys that didn't have super high prospect grades come up and be really good hitters. They've isolated one and two year deals with free agents for guys that have come up here and really performed well. So that's just what the giants are good at. And also they've leveraged the fact that they have multiple guys in the bullpen that can go more than one inning. And that's how they've kind of cobbled together some of their games as well. So I'm a really big fan of this giants team in general. Uh, But one thing I want to mention here, specific to this game and other games. So we've seen the home run to fly ball percentage skyrocket since the all-star break over the four mm-hmm. days, it's been about 13.6% or so in early July, it was below 13%. And for the full season, it's like 12 and a half percent. So there's two things. One, it's hot as hell everywhere. It's just very hot, very humid. The ball's carrying. The second thing is every pitcher who's going today, tomorrow Hasn't pitched in nine, 10, 11, 12 days, yeah. something like that. So a lot of these guys are kind of rusty. Some of the relievers have had to get back into rhythm as well. So we've seen a big uptick in home runs over the last four days.
4: Again, Al Roker joining. I mean, uh, Adam Burke joining, <laughs> joining us in studio right here on uh, a sharp money. Uh, the, you mentioned this NOS race with the giants now just two games back here. The Dodgers they are four to one uh, to win that division. What I look at the diamondbacks as a team and we um, all, and I talked about this to start the show where the New York Yankees continue this tailspin. Finally, it seems like the bookmakers, the odds have flipped accurately, where the, uh, the Yankees went from plus 150 to miss. Now they're minus 150 to miss. D-backs are in this precarious spot where they've lost eight of 10. It's a, a team built with young arms, young talent overall that has not been tested, proven over 162-game sample size. Lose eight of 10, and they're two and a half back. It's minus 125 right now in Arizona to make plus one Oh five to miss. Where do you assess Arizona right now? And could this be a team that didn't say two weeks time, all of a sudden it's yes. Like plus 200 to the no minus a big price.
5: So this is a really difficult spot from a betting standpoint, because if they can tread water over the next two weeks, the trade deadline is two weeks from today on August 1st. I fully expect they have at least two starting pitchers by the time the trade deadline passes. I don't know who they will be, I think Jordan Montgomery is a good fit. Maybe Jack Flaherty works because pitching coach Brent Strom has done a really good job of cutting down walk rates for guys. If you do that with Flaherty, he's a very, very effective guy. Um, Lucas Giolito is another name that could be in play. I think the Diamondbacks have at least two new starters, and I think they have at least one, maybe two new relievers as well by the trade deadline. So it's kind of hard to find a buy point on either yes or no, where I think if Mm -hmm. they don't do anything, if they're in it, if they're unable to get things done, they don't make the playoffs. But if they do, they still have a pretty good offense and they're still a really good defensive team that can create run opportunities on the basis because of their athleticism. So I think it's tough. I think that as things currently stand with their current roster, no, they don't make the playoffs. But if they get a couple of starters and a couple of relievers, which is very possible, then yes, I think they do have a good shot at making the playoffs.
4: You
1: look at this team right now. This is a tough spot. You go to three games into Atlanta. The Braves are coming off a two-game losing streak. Got embarrassed on Sunday. And you've got Davies going tonight against Elder. uh, And then you've got Strider and Gallon going tomorrow, which is potentially an NL's uh, Cy Young elimination game here. But this Diamondbacks team could leave here with a seven-game losing streak in Atlanta. This is not a team you want to be facing on a a losing streak. I I think the Braves here run line. It's a good spot for them against Davies tonight.
4: Yeah, really interesting point, too. And also how, for looking at these season-long markets, consider what teams are doing and ought to be doing as we approach the trade deadline, because that could really swing either to the yes or the no as far as teams' prospects for making the playoffs. We'll recap uh, Amal's bets. I've got some, uh, some plays we'll discuss. Adam has his remaining plays when we return. Wrap up this edition of Sharp Money right after this.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express.
3: Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. (laughs) That was great fun. Cowie. what do you say? It was...
1: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal
2: Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: The NFL Betting Guide is out now, and our college football guide is coming in just a couple weeks. Only VSIN Pro subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and NFL seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus, best bets on futures and season win totals. Sign up before the end of July and receive both guides and full VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl at an early bird discount of $175. Or sign up on a monthly subscription and get your first 30 days for only 19 bucks to see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. This offer ends July 31st. That is 13 days away, so don't miss out on these preseason deals. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. We're back for the final time on Sharp Money. Big thanks to our producer, Wyatt Tomchak, in for uh, Dustin. Great, we had a Tim Tebow mention, Adam, from uh, Wyatt on the air today, so that was great. Got, got them all all riled up more than he already was. So, Tim Tebow, huh? Haven't heard that name in a while. Haven't heard that name in a while. No, 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 we have not. Uh, thank you to Wyatt behind the glass, Sean McCall on audio, as well as Matt Hicks, Isaiah Wrinkle, our technical directors, Michelle Delgadillo, honor our graphics uh, operator as well. And we think about uh, where we're still at here. Adam talking about this Tuesday MLB card to wrap up the show. Check out his uh, Veasan Daily Baseball Bets podcast up right now. Full article as well online at Veasan.com. And uh, two other plays for you, Adam, we go to an interesting pitching matchup in in, in uh, Wrigley Field where it is a Patrick Corbin day. But it, that hasn't really been a thing now recently. The Nationals weirdly have actually played pretty well on Patrick Corbin starts against the up and down Jamison Tyon, who is getting back to the market up to a $1.70 favorite now today. Total of nine appears as though pretty favorable hitting conditions there at Wrigley.
5: Yeah, hopefully I can right or wrong because I had this one in the article yesterday with the over in this game with Drew Smiley, Mackenzie Gore. Took it out when the line moved up to nine with overjuice, and of course, it flew over the total sure. anyway. But this one is nine tonight. And Corbin, last nine starts 533 ERA, 542 FIP. He had that patch in April and May where he looked like a competent pitcher. That's long gone at this point. Tyon, I mean, he just hasn't had a lot of command, hasn't had a lot of good luck this season either. Defense behind him has been really, really bad. that's what happens when you pitch to contact sometimes. And there should be a lot of balls in play in this game. As you mentioned, it's not ideal hitting conditions at Wrigley Field, but good enough to where I think we get some runs here in this game tonight. And again, what I mentioned in the last segment, these pitchers are all on really, really long layoffs. We've seen a lot of home runs over the last four days. It's just hard to stay sharp when you're not working every five, every six days. A lot of these guys on double-digit day layoffs so I think this is a game where we do see that kind of come to the forefront and both teams able to score some runs. Plus, neither one of these bullpen's all that good either. Yeah,
1: both these teams going nowhere fast. Wind blowing in at about seven miles an hour from center field tonight, 73 at about first pitch. Wrigley's one of those places you definitely check the weather uh Absolutely. if you're betting a cider or to- Also, pretty amazing to-, to
4: think about. The Cubs only team with a plus run differential in the NL Central. Yeah. And you look at that team night in, night out, and you go, all right, they're like they're going nowhere. But you've always been kind of on the bandwagon the last couple of years of, you know what? variants in that division that could be a team to back but you keep waiting and we're now at that point of the year where you got to make a move at some point
5: yeah I mean I lost the season win total over on him last year I may very well lose the season win total over on him again this year especially because you know Marcus Stroman seems like he's very likely to get moved he won't be the only guy Cody Bellinger is having a pretty good year he'll be one of the more sought after hitters at the trade deadline as well so unless they make a move over the next two weeks or so, which probably won't happen, Uh, there'll be sellers, which, you know, probably leave my win total ticket dead in the water, despite, as you mentioned, being the only team with a plus run differential. That counts for a lot. Yeah. Counts for a lot. lot. Yep, Counts for a losing ticket. Yeah. Sometimes.
1: Bellinger, he's a plus plus defender in center Mm -hmm. and he's hit the ball far better than he did the last several years in Los Angeles. So, He's a player that could be a quiet, good acquisition for somebody. I
5: I think Houston would be a phenomenal fit. They don't have anybody that's really left-handed. You're down Alvarez is coming back, but it's him and Kyle Tucker, and that's it. Getting Bellinger as another left-handed bat would make sense.
4: At least the contract rates are manageable now for for Bellinger, what we've seen. Uh, We'll track that team as a deadline target team as well. Wonder what the Blue Jays are going to do with the deadline, a team right now firmly in the mix for the postseason. And for Alec Manoa, who uh, was just a disaster to start the year, but – Came back after a couple of really bad outings. It was at the, the spring training facility. They had him throwing basically simulated games. Was not going well for Manoa. The Blue Jay Ace comes back, though, and almost shuts out the Detroit Tigers, at him in his one start before the All-Star break. And you look at, uh, at what he did in that outing. Goes six strong, one run on five hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. But he goes from at Detroit to now hosting San Diego and Joe Musgrove tonight, where the Padres are a road favorite. I can't wait to see what we get out of Manoa. I don't know how you potentially or possibly bet this tonight, but it will be a big telling point as to where Manoa's true recovery is at, I think.
5: Yeah, I have no idea what to do with this game tonight. I mean, Alec Manoa, as you mentioned in that start, very efficient, had his highest chase rate of the year, which is... Swinging pitches outside the strike zone had his highest zone, second highest zone percentage. So he was throwing pitches in the zone, but when he wasn't, he was getting chases. So that's a great sign for him, but also it's Detroit who swings and misses a lot and chases a lot. They're not a very disciplined lineup. You know, a lot of people have been talking about how good Blake Snell has been and deservedly so. What about Joe Musgrove? Last nine starts, 179 ERA, 256 FIP, 54-8 to eight strikeout-to-walk ratio. Only two homers allowed, he's only allowed three barreled balls in his last nine starts, a 2% barrel rate, which is beyond elite. So Joe Musgrove really locked in for the Padres.
1: To your point, Adam, eight of the last nine starts, he's given up two earned runs or less. He had one start where he gave up three earned runs against the Cleveland uh, Guardians. Other than that, he has been tremendous. That's the problem with the Padres, that – Just debacle we talked about earlier in Philadelphia over the weekend, Ben, was crucial because right now with the way Musgrove and Snell have been pitching between the last nine starts, as Adam referenced for uh, Joe Musgrove, and uh, Blake Snell going back to Mm -hmm. around May 25th, they have been the two most dominant pitchers on one team in baseball. This team, if they had gotten into the postseason, which seems very unlikely now, could have really created some problems and challenges for a team like Atlanta.
4: San Diego is getting nothing offensively when those guys have been on, on the Hill yeah. mall said earlier, Adam Padres season ended Sunday. Do you agree with that? Saturday, Saturday, Sa-
1: Saturday, Sunday. when they took out Blake Snell after five innings.
5: I don't know about that. I mean, the way that Snell and Musgrove are throwing this offense has actually been quite good over the last six to eight weeks or so. They're just, they're very bad in one run games. I think They went into the break at five and 15 in one run games. They had lost all eight extra inning games they had played. They've kind of run on the wrong side of variance in close games. The problem is they're running out of time because Blake Snell is an impending free agent. Josh Hader, same thing for him. You're going to get to a point where you have to decide, do we think we can actually make the playoffs or do we have to trade these guys refill our prospect system? Because they've blown that up with some of the deals that they've made over the last couple of years in their quest for a world series. So they're probably going to ultimately end up being sellers, which may you know keep them from getting into the playoffs or just the fact that, you know, they have underperformed offensively for majority of the year.
1: I'll tell you, Adam, the reason why I think the season ended for them, they're playing the Phillies head to head in four games. They win the first game. They had Snell going in game two, had an opportunity to potentially get three out of four there. They don't do that. And now you're looking at your seven and a half behind Philadelphia. Who's the last team for the wild card. giants, Diamondbacks and Marlins, are the other teams, forget the reds for a minute here. Let's reds. They're going to win the division or probably not get in as a wild card, but I feel like eight games with, uh, what are they? They played ninety four games so far, so they've got sixty eight games remaining. Eight games is hard to make up in that sure. stretch.
4: Plus four twenty five right now to make, and they're also trying to outdo the nineteen sixty nine Montreal Expos. Oh and twelve in extra inning games were the wow. Expos. How, how do you go oh and nine in extra inning? I get that it's variants and now that we have the ghost runner, could, because, but seriously, oh and nine
1: because they use Hater in a tie game instead of using him in the tenth inning when when you when you have the lead. I, I didn't understand that you're on the road in a situation. Why are you using him in the
4: bottom and then of the they, nine. And then they did bring him in in the same situation Sunday, yeah. and then they blow this, and he blows the save up one run.
5: I, for most of the year, they were hitting under 200 with men in scoring position, too, I which think... when you get to extra innings and they give you a runner on second, that's probably not a good thing.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think they said on the broadcast Sunday, on the entire season, the nine extra inning games, the Potters have, not, have five hits in the entire extra innings, wow. like for the whole season. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Well, Cromworth uh, is barely batting his weight. Uh, yeah, that's all, that's also kind of an issue as well. Uh, as far as one other play, Adam, before we run up against it here, as we wrap up the show, uh, interesting matchup tonight in the Pacific Northwest. You get Bailey Ober for the Twins, Brian Wu of Seattle, and pretty much a, an evenly lined game here. Seattle, just a slight uh, home favorite taking on the Twinkies.
5: Yeah, outstanding pitching matchup tonight. I really like Bailey Ober. He's a guy that I don't think people realize how good he is. Maybe it's because he plays for Minnesota. Maybe he's just overshadowed by Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and some of those other guys that are there but this cat is six foot nine if you haven't seen him he's very hard to be prepared for because he comes from such a high arm slot great extension towards home plate and if you're a team that strikes out a lot and swings and misses a lot like Seattle I think that's even more of an issue the thing that's difficult here is Brian Wu has been pitching really well for Seattle also give up six runs in his first start he's been extremely good since but the thing I like here tonight, the Twins were in a difficult bullpen spot yesterday because of their bullpen usage against Oakland. Tonight, it's Seattle that's in a difficult bullpen spot with multiple guys that have worked back to back nights. So, low scoring expectation, two good starters. I think Ober could be a little bit better than Wu, and the bullpen edge for the Twins. I thought at plus money that was worth it. So, it was plus 110 at DraftKings when I put up the article. You could have found plus 115 or so at other places. So that was the other play that I had for Todd uh,
4: and I'm all you're looking to lay run line here, Bryce Elder going up against the, the struggling Zach Davies of Arizona about minus one Oh five. I'm seeing on that run line price for the Braves. I like the spot
1: for Atlanta coming off a day of rest to get embarrassed on Saturday, Sunday by uh, the Chicago white Sox. Good opportunity to bounce back. Zach Davies, a pitcher that they can hit this team. By the way, I don't know if there's any team that's better in the first inning than the Atlanta Braves. They just jump on you and you get the Braves at minus 115. not the ideal number. Cause you got a minus minus there with a run and a half. But I don't want to lay $1.85. I just always think laying sure. those types of numbers are just too high. In and baseball.
4: if you shop around, you can find a 105 out yeah. there. A little more palatable to take. Adam, thank you, as always, for stopping by. Great to check fun in with you. Glad you survived the tarp. <laughs> he made it. For Adam Burke, for Amal Shah, for our producer, Wyatt Time Check. I'm Ben Wilson. We'll be back. I'm all night tomorrow for another three hours of fun here on Sharp Money. Up next, VEASAN primetime, Tim Murray, Sean King, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.